first in your life? When we talk about following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus, uh, we talk about Jesus being our Savior, but we also talk about Him being our Lord. In this sermon series, we're going to be working through the process of really looking at what is first in our life. A lot of times when it comes to making Jesus first in our lives, we like to make him first in our lives in certain aspects of our lives, but we're not willing to give all of ourselves wholeheartedly to him. And one of the areas of, that we like to hold back from his is our financial resources. Every single year here at Real Life Ministries, we talk about what does it mean for us to live with Jesus as the Lord over every aspect of our lives, including our finances. And for those of you that are new this morning, you're going, man, this is the Sunday I showed up to go to church. They're talking about money. How this rolls. Okay. All right. Right. We do this every single year because we believe as disciples of Jesus that, that he is Lord over everything. Everything. And there is a lot of wisdom that God gives us about how we're supposed to approach our finances. But oftentimes, finances is one of those things that we hold back. We hold on. And the reason why we hold on is because we find safety, security, shelter, faith, put our faith into our stuff, our things. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, um, I had one of those dads that if you left the door open, he'd ask you, like, what are you, born in a barn? Like... Are we eating out, outside? And, and, and then he'd ask this question, does money grow on trees? Let me just go get the money off the tree. And as a little, little kid, I kind of believed that money did grow on trees. <laughs> because here's the reason why. I had a grandma, that I don't know why she thought of this, I don't know where she came up with this, but she decided that every single time she got a sequence of $1 bills, she'd give them to me. So every single time she showed up at my house, she goes, guess what I got for you? I'm like, money? <laughs> She's like, yep. And she has continued to do that until even two weeks ago. Crisp $1 bills in order. 68 69 $70. Every single time they're in order, I get them. I don't know how much money I've made over the years when it comes to that. <laughs> guessing it's approaching a couple hundred bucks, I'm guessing. But I just believe, oh yeah, money. Money's just something that you always have. It's something that you always just get whenever. I mean, I was just blessed. My grandma, here you go. Here's some more money. Now, I don't know how my younger brother feels about it because he's never gotten those bills. <laughs> I don't know about my cousins. I don't know how they feel about it. But I, I was blessed growing up, right? But over time... How I interacted with money changed because I began to see that money was something that just wasn't always a blessing or something you just always got. Money became a pain in our family. Over time, money was something that was always a stressor in my family. When the bills, I, I'll never forget, when dad would go to pay the bills, he was different coming out of that room than how he entered into that room. Because it was stressful for him, living paycheck to paycheck. It's what led eventually to my mom and dad getting divorced. Because money was a tension. Money was a problem. Money was something that was not something that was to be enjoyed or to be stewarded, but was just always this weight in our family. And until a disciple maker came into my life and actually said, money is not something that you necessarily have to worry about, but instead it's something to be used, a tool to be used. It took someone coming into my life and discipling me and saying, this is what the scriptures have to say. Now you have to decide if you want to trust that. You have to decide if you want to heed to the wisdom. 
And for all of us this morning, my hope over the next three weeks is that you'd be willing to just ask the question, what does God say? And am I willing to trust it? If he says to be first, am I willing to do that in every area of my life? With time, with my giftings, and with my finances. What does Jesus say about financial resources? Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Actually, the next two weeks we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. And what's going on here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, is Jesus is in this long sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And what he's doing is he's actually helping the Jews understand that they viewed God this way, but that God was actually this way. And he keeps turning their, their world upside down, helping them understand who he is and what he's inviting them into as a disciple of Jesus. And he says this in verse 19. In chapter 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, their desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I I wanted to actually go to Zercher's and buy one of those tin cans that when you open it up, lots of party things like explode out of it. And I just ran out of time yesterday going to do it. But when I look at this passage, this is really like literally the, the image of like, okay, we're going to unlo- unlock the, the lid and poof, like all this stuff comes out. And this is packed full of stuff. And we're going to try and cover it in the next 23 minutes, okay? 23 minutes. What's the first thing we need to recognize? This whole section, this whole passage is the story of Jesus inviting you to make him the priority in every area of your life. This is, this is where we're starting in the sermon series. First, is Jesus first? Is he the priority in every aspect of your life? This is really the main thrust of the passage. Is Jesus first? Is Jesus first? Seek first the kingdom of God. Store treasures here on earth. Do not store treasures here on earth. Where moths, and, and, uh, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in, but store your treasures in heaven. What is the priority in all that you do? And he gives us three different ways to evaluate that as he goes through this passage. He goes through three different aspects, and I just want to highlight each one of them. Verse 19, he goes on to say, store treasures in heaven where moths and rust destroy, and thieves not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is inviting you not only to look at your priorities, but he's also inviting you to invest in the present kingdom here on earth. When we think of the word heaven, one of the first things that pops up is this idea of later. Later. A place that I'm going to later. When I die, I go to heaven. But if you look at the gospels and you look how Jesus talked about heaven, he didn't talk about heaven just being a later thing. He actually talked the majority of the time as heaven being the kingdom of heaven taking place right now. Right now. 
And for us as Christians, oftentimes we, we share the gospel and we, and we have this mindset because it's been taught to you for year after year that we just saw Z get baptized on the screen and we saw Maggie get baptized a week before and we teach that, oh, you got baptized, you're following Jesus and now we're just gonna hold on and kind of live life until we get to go be with God up in heaven one of these days. And that's the mindset. I, I believed and then come back to church. Then... I just wait. So Jesus comes back, or I go to be with him. But the message of the gospel is that Jesus came and said, I came to bring good news of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is alive and active right now. And so when we look at this passage, and we look and he says, to store your treasures here on earth, but store your treasures in heaven, the mindset automatically becomes store treasures in heaven. And where is heaven in our minds? When we always think about it, it's always up. But Jesus, when he prayed the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in the kingdom is happening right now. Jesus' agenda for us is that we bring heaven and earth together, that he would rule and reign into every aspect, every area of your life, and that you would be a partner with him of bringing his mission here on earth now. He doesn't save you and just put you on the sidelines. He saves you for a purpose, to get into the game, to be about his agenda, his purposes here on earth. So when we think about priorities in our life, when we wake up in the morning, are we hearing from Jesus? We just did a sermon series on that in January. Are we hearing from Jesus? And then as we go into work, as we go in with our family, how is Jesus at the forefront? How is Jesus first? In every aspect of our lives, when it comes to our time, when it comes to our giftings, when it comes to our finances, are you investing in the kingdom? Are you living your life knowing that that is the first thing that you represent? Jesus and his kingdom. The kingdom is not something we're just waiting for in the future. It's happening right now. Is there a future aspect of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The new heavens and the new earth? I can't wait for it because I'm going to have a nice body in the new heavens and new earth, right? Like, it's not going to be so hard to stay mm, felt, right? And it's going to be all you can eat prime rib. I can promise you that. Like, Jesus, come on. All right? But the kingdom is happening now. And are you engaging it? Are you taking hold of it? Jesus said the, the kingdom of God is being ushered in with violent men. What does that mean? People that have urgency about now and living now. Are you investing in the kingdom now? He's inviting you to invest in the present kingdom of heaven here on earth. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does investment mean? It means it's our time, our talent, and our finances. All of our resources, all that we have. I hear people say all the time, well, man, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I've got a lot of time. I'll just tithe my time. Is that what scripture says? Well, I hear people say all the time, well, I'll just tithe my gifting. I don't have a whole lot of time, but I'll, like, I'll do this, I'll do that. Is that, what, is that what the scriptures say? I'll just write a check. My time is really most valuable. Is that what the kingdom says? Jesus wants all of us, all of our heart, not just the parts that fit for us. He wants all of us. Matthew chapter 6, 22, he goes on to say, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the, your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. 
But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. A couple things to ask yourself. First one is this. Is your eye good and healthy? Is your eye good and healthy? How do you know if your eye is good and healthy? Am I keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus and his kingdom? Am I keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus and his kingdom? Am I mindful of the places my eyes are drawn to, or do I let them take my mind and heart wherever it leads? Am I allowing my eyes to light the way? For me, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but I am the spender in my family. Anybody else the spender? All right, must, you guys must be really good savers, okay? I'm the spender, right? And so um, I blame it on my grandma because she gave me money all the time growing up. Like, we got money, you know? But I'm the type of person that like, when I see a deal, it's a deal. And we got to do it, right? Amen. It's like, this is, this is 30% off, babe. That bow, that rifle, whatever, whatever that shiny thing is. Like my eyes are drawn to that. But I have an amazing wife where she asks the question, do we really need that? Do you really need that? And are we really staying focused on the kingdom and our budget and all those things? Because those, there's nothing wrong with those things, right? There's nothing wrong with buying things. But when we ask ourselves these questions about our eyes, is my eye good and healthy? Am I looking at things from the right perspective? Am I putting the right priorities in my life? And is Jesus first and foremost? Or do your eyes, are you naturally drawn to certain things? Because I know my heart and my eyes will quickly, oh, we need this. Actually, it's I want this. I don't really need it. So what does it look like for you to evaluate and look at your heart? Are you drawn to certain things? Things that you actually are making security blankets for in your life? Stuff. If I have more stuff, then I'll be okay. If I have more things, then I'll be okay. And Jesus is calling it out. Like, where do your eyes go? And wherever your eyes go, whatever the filter is that you see things through, determines what you value. For some of you, like, you've got to ask the question, is this really something that the Lord wants me to have? Am I really putting him first? Are you allowing your eyes to light the way? This kind of reminds me of what happened in Genesis. Remember Genesis in the garden? First of all, Eve allows the enemy to come to her table. We talked about that last month. And then the second thing, as she's beginning to talk with the enemy, Eve, she said that she saw the fruit. And you remember what it says next in the passage? She saw the fruit and that it was what? Pleasing to the eye. Where are your eyes drawn when it comes to things, money, resources? The moment that we begin to go, oh, that's pleasing and I want that. You notice that as she was having a conversation with the enemy, she thought it was pleasing to the eye. It was not sin until she grabbed it and what? Ate it. And when it comes to things in our lives that we, we say, all right, Jesus, like we want to make you first. But the moment that I look at something that I go, but I want to draw my attention to this and I want to devote my time, 
my talent, my financial resources to this, I now have replaced God from being number one and I've made God number two, three, four, five, whatever. The Bible calls this, they may even know what the Bible calls this? When you replace God with something else? Idolatry. And this is the call for all of us as disciples of Jesus. We've got to ask ourselves, are we going to live out Matthew chapter 6 of seeking first the kingdom or are we going to continue to allow idolatry to rule our hearts and our minds? Moses says this to the Israelites. God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens of the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now for them, like they had a culture, there was a God for everything. And they literally made idols. You know how the story goes. Moses comes off the mountain. He leaves the Israelites. He comes down the mountain. They're building a golden calf. He's like, what is happening right now? Now, we don't have that necessarily in our culture where we build idols of gods, but we have idols in our hearts, in our country, in our nation, in our community, where we don't necessarily worship an image, but we do. You show me where you spend your time, where you spend your money, your God shows up. Amen. Your God shows up. Where you spend your time, where you spend your money, your God's gonna show up. It's where you invest your time, talents, resources. And I don't think it's a far stretch to say we struggle with money in America. We are the richest nation in the world. You would think oh, we know how to handle this. I don't think we do. We've bought into the idea that more and more and more will satisfy us and it leaves us empty. But we still keep putting stuff on the credit card and going after debt, after debt, after debt, thinking that it's gonna satisfy. That thing, that shiny thing will satisfy, but it never does. There's only one that does, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Money is the leading cause of divorce and financial problems. And here's the thing. The enemy knows this because if he can get us jacked up in our finances, it ripples into everything. It ripples into everything. Because if he can get money rooted into your heart, then you're always needing more. And when you're needing more, that puts stress on the marriage. It puts stress on the marriage, then it leads to divorce, and then it impacts the kids. And then you're working from at work in a place not necessarily healthy. This is the ripple. When we choose not to make Jesus first, and when Jesus is inviting us to see is that everything needs to be through the lens and light of the kingdom, not through the lens of the world. He's inviting you to make him the priority, priority, to make him first. So how do you actually see the world? What's the lens from which you actually look at your resources? He goes on to say in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and enslave to money. Any of you guys have got the old King James, King Jimmy version? It's gonna be uh, serve God and be enslaved to mammon. It's this idea of one's wealth one's resources. 
You can't serve both. You have to choose which one you will serve. And Jesus is inviting you to see money as something to be worshiped, um, but instead as a tool to be used. Money is a great tool. It's a horrible God, you guys. It's a great tool, but it's a horrible God. It's a horrible God. And so as we kind of look at all these different sections of this passage, Matthew chapter 6, I just want to recap this. He's inviting you to make him first, the priority in every area of your life. He's inviting you to invest in the kingdom. He's inviting you to see everything through the lens and light of the kingdom, not through the lens of the world. He's inviting you to see money as something not to be worshipped, but instead as a tool to be used. It's a great tool, but a terrible God. And so how we use our money, it reveals what's our priority. It reveals what lens we actually see money through. And so as we go through the next couple of weeks, one of the things I want you to think about is these next steps that we're going to be laying out. And for some of you, you're going, oh, well, this is like pretty elementary. It might be elementary for you, for other people. They've never actually done it. Question we've got to ask ourselves is if money is a portion of our life where we look at and ask the question, how do I actually use my money? How do I evaluate how I use my money? And what does that actually look like? The thing that we use it's not necessarily a word found in scripture, but it's a tool that we use. It's called a budget. Our budget helps us realize, see, what do we prioritize? What do we actually care about? Where are we actually investing our time? And what I want to invite you guys into is, would you be willing to use the budget as a tool to keep your heart and your mind in check as you're making Jesus first in your finances? Would you be willing to create a budget to tell your money where it's supposed to go, where it is going to go, where we hope it will go, right? Would you be willing to start living off a budget? Now, this is how the world looks at a budget. The budget looks at the world, or the world looks at the budget and says, I don't need a budget, it's my money, I'll do what I want with it, right? I worked hard for that money, and I'm gonna do whatever I want with that money. For some of us that are spenders, that's how I approach the budget. It's like, well, I just spend it. Like, whenever I want to spend it, I'll spend it. My wife, on the other hand, she's the nerd in the relationship. I learned this from Dave Ramsey. The nerd in the relationship, that's not meant to be condescending. It's actually a compliment. Where this is the person that is much better at budgeting, much better at saving, much better at holding on to the financial resources and making sure money goes where it's supposed to go. Most of the time, if you're a nerd, you've married the spender, the free spirit, and the free spirit has married the nerd. How many of you guys are nerds in the relationship? You like to budget, you like to do finances? Both. You're both. <laughs> oh, trust me, you lean one way or the other. <laughs> I've done enough financial counseling with people. There's definitely a leaning from one end to the other. I'm the spender. My wife's the nerd. She doesn't think we need to spend money on anything. <laughs> That's right. So for you, like, where are you at when it comes to the budget? Do you think, oh, live and let live. You only live once. Indulge. Or are you the nerd in the relationship? Now, some of you might be thinking, man, I'm barely making it. I don't even hardly have a budget. You need to create a budget. For some of you, you're doing really, really well. Doing really well. Like, that's not our problem. Lots of resources. Let me tell you this. You still need to live off of a budget. Because if you don't live off of a budget, what ends up happening is slowly your heart will move towards, I have plenty. I don't need to be, I don't need to be intentional. 
I've got lots of resources. But that's not what Jesus is inviting you into. He's inviting you to be disciplined, to be a good steward, to be about his kingdom, and to ask the question, even though I've got plenty of resources, I still am going to stick to the foundational principles that got me where I'm at today. I continue to seek Jesus in his kingdom. What I'm also inviting you to look at is to have this filter that, that God has given you a budget and he's entrusted the money to you. The money is not yours. That you are just a steward of that, of that resource, of that, that money. It's God's. One of the best things I've taught my kids is that it's all God's. Now they forget it. They forget that it's all God's. I have to remind them. But they are learning over time to realize that what's been given to me, I have to steward. I have to steward it well. If I steward it well, God says he's going to give me more. More to steward. Maybe financially. But really, it's his kingdom. He's going to enable me to steward more for his kingdom. In your budget, would you be willing to tell your money where it's going? Would you be willing to give to God first? then pay your bills, and then enjoy the fruits of your labor. In that order. To prioritize wise spending. So for some of you, you've tried this before, hasn't worked. It worked for a little while, then you went back to the old way. Would you be willing to re-engage and say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna give this another shot. For those of you that You've never had this conversation with your spouse. One person's only owned the finances. Would you be willing to start having a partnership relationship with your finances? And let me just tell you, you're gonna have lots of fights. You're like, oh, this is stressful. Yep, it is. It always will be. But you've married your spouse to be one. Therefore, you should be one with your finances with your spouse. And as you write this budget, would you be willing to then begin the process of, on the top of that budget, ask this question, am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Am I seeking Jesus and making him the priority of my life? Question mark. Start building your budget. Would you be willing to review, maybe for some of you, every week you got to review. Every two weeks, maybe for some of you, every month, because you are really disciplined and you don't have to keep having that conversation every single week. For me and my wife, we have to have a conversation every two weeks. And if we don't, it comes off the rails really, really quick, just to be honest with you. Every two weeks. Where's our money going? What are we doing? Making financial decisions together. If you're single, you might be saying, I don't have a spouse. If you're single, find an accountability partner. Find an accountability partner. Find someone that you know of, that you respect and love, that has had success in this area, and go, hey, would you be willing to walk beside me on my budget? Would you be willing to help hold me accountable? Because I know I can grow in this area. How you use money reveals who's really first in your finances and the lens through which you see money. I want you to just think about this. If you're willing to tackle this, if you come from a family that hasn't done well with stewarding uh, resources, I want you to think about this. What would it actually look like for you to be the person that stands up and says, I'm going to actually change the trajectory, the legacy of my family. And I'm actually gonna steward the resources that God has given me well for the sake of my kids and my grandkids. 
Not that they necessarily have all these resources when I go away, but that they would have the tools to lead well and change not only their life, but their grandkids' life, their great-grandkids' life for the sake of the kingdom. As we close out, I want to tell you this story uh, from Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed was my dad, my uncle, and my grandma and grandpa's pastor. He just passed away three weeks ago. He was 90 years old. He retired last March at 89 years old. It's a lot of sermons. He outlived most of the people that he pastored and yet still had standing room only at his funeral. Why? Because Pastor Ed continually taught a couple things. The first thing that he talked about and people echoed over and over again was it's all about family. It's all about family. It's all about family. And one of the things they talked about is how he showed that is that God gives us all that we have and all that we have, we're called to give it away. And the two things they talked about over and over again was love. God gives us love, we're called to give it away. God gives us money, we're called to give it away. And what was so amazing about Pastor Ed's story is they said, Pastor Ed, our dad, talked about that over and over and over and over growing up. And he goes, what's amazing is like, even though he talked about that, he said, when we would go on vacation, our vacations were wherever the Brethren Church of God conference was at. <laughs> we're going on vacation. Where's the conference at this year, Dad? They'd go over the conference for two days and they'd spend an extra two days wherever that place is. Money was tight growing up, they talked about. Didn't have a lot of money. Didn't have a lot of resources. Pastor Ed, almost every single day, had a wheat bread, mayonnaise, slice of cheese. That was his sandwich almost every single day. And his family talked over and over again about how he loved us and he loved us so we give love away. He provided for us to give money away. That's all his legacy was over and over and over again. And as I sat there in that funeral and I heard story after story that reinforced that over and over and over again with kids and tons of great grandkids, it got me thinking, what will my legacy be? What will my legacy be? My wife asked me, she's like, you're gonna preach until you're 90? I go, after that funeral, probably. Probably. Why? Because Pastor Ed, he saw first the kingdom with everything he had for 90 years of his life. And I want to be like that. What about you? What about you? What will people say when it's all said and done? What will people say about what was first in your life? As we wrap up today, Jesus invited you to make him priority. Jesus invited you to invest. Jesus invited you to see everything through the lens and light of the kingdom. That money is a great resource, but it's not to be worshiped. It won't bring the satisfying life and love 
that Jesus will. And as much as we try and think and are duped in the lies of the enemy that money's gonna satisfy us, it won't. It'll always leave us wanting. And so would you be willing to start the process of really looking and saying, okay, I'm gonna dive into this. I'm gonna do it with my, with my spouse. I'm gonna do it together. We're gonna talk about this together. The what, who is first? Who is first in our finances? I know that some of you this morning, you might feel beat up after this sermon because money is a continual thorn in your side that you feel like you can't overcome. And I just wanna tell you, you are not alone in this. Jesus is with you in the midst of the struggle. And I will tell you this right now, there are a whole host of people at this church that are willing to walk beside you and help you get out of whatever hole that you're in so that money would not rule you, debt would not rule you, but instead Jesus' love, his grace, his forgiveness, it can rule you. All you gotta do is ask for help. Because Jesus is quick to forgive. Jesus is quick to rescue. Jesus is quick to save. And he does it through his church. So we want to invite you into a time of actually reflecting and saying, what is your next step? As we move into communion, I just want to ask you, what is first? Talk to Jesus about that. What is first? What's really first in my life? have a conversation with Jesus about that. Talk to him about your fears. Talk to him about your worries. Talk to him about your obstacles. But would you be willing in the midst of that conversation to go, I want to seek you first, Jesus. I want to seek first the kingdom. Let's spend some time with him as we get ready to go to the table.